I'll give you a fair warning. If you, if you turn to Ezekiel chapter 1, um, it's, it's about there, <laughs> if you're not sure. Um, after Psalms and Isaiah, if you've got it, that'd be great, just for a minute. Um, if, you, if you're unfamiliar with it, it might take you a while to find it. But um, if you can turn to that, would be great. We're going to pray um, just as we look at God's word together. Um, so should we do that? Father God, we thank you, Lord. This morning, thank you, Lord, we can worship you. Thank you, Lord, that, that you, you, you smile and you have a, a sense of humor, that you find joy, Lord, in your people. And when we joy in you, Lord, I believe you joy in us as well. And we thank you, Lord, that um, whatever happens, whatever is good or bad or indifferent, Lord, when our hearts are seeking after you, 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 Lord, you're there to be found. And just now, as we look at your word together, Father God, may each one of us, Lord, uh, regardless of what we think we believe as we walk into this place, may we actually seek you. Because, Lord, if we seek you, we find you. The Bible doesn't lie to us. You're there to be found. You're there to be found now as we look at your word. So, Lord, may we look for you and may you reveal yourself to us in Jesus' name. Amen. I actually thought, I laughed earlier on, you may have heard. Um, I actually thought Pat was doing a really excellent impression of Adele, the singer. When you started the, um, the service, you said, hello, it's me. I thought if you'd have just done hello, <laughs> it would have been, would have been brilliant. <laughs> Would have made my day, actually, but there we are. Never mind. Um, maybe next week. <laughs> well, actually, stay this quo next week, if possible. Um, anyway, let's move on before I say so. It's not very funny. Anyway, um, let's talk about my sock drawer. Um, I'm, a, I'm a man. Uh, men only have two drawers. Um, the first is the man drawer. If you're a Michael McIntyre fan, you'll know what the man drawer is. Um, we have uh, one, one drawer. The logic goes, not, I'm not being sexist, but women have all the other drawers, all the other cupboards, everything. Um, and a man has one drawer, and in that drawer he puts, like, crams everything in it. Phone chargers, batteries, and it's true, everything Michael McIntyre describes I have in my phone drawer. Um, and you have all that. And the other drawer a man has is a sock drawer, and that's where you keep your socks. Yeah, you're with me, so that, that's not complicated enough. Everyone with me so far? Just the two drawers. Anyway, I only have two, and in my, my sock drawer is my drawer. And, uh, you know, I keep other things in there, like I was rifling through there the other day, and I discovered this. Um, if you're under 20, you probably don't know what this is. Uh, inside it, it's got this amazing thing called a tape. Um, no? I'm afraid it doesn't turn on. You can't kind of swipe it. I'm really sorry. Um, which, one, which, one, which side did I take it out of? Hang on. I might mess the next point up. Anyway, this is a dictaphone. So, you know, if you want to, you know, you can, if you feel important, you, you can dictate memos into it, and your, your PA, if you have one, uh, will type it up for you and send it off on your behalf. I, I have neither. Um, and so my, my, my granddad died in 2008. Um, I took a memento from his house, and, and I grabbed this dictaphone. This is my granddad's. And, uh, and I just thought, well, that would be quite a nice thing to have. And I was going through a period where I thought it might be nice to, you know, jot down my really good ideas on a dictaphone, because that just felt... I think I watched it on something on telly, and I thought it looked quite cool. Um, I've used it zero times, for the record. Anyway, and uh, a, few, a few years ago, I was rifling through my sock drawer, as you do. I've been through the man drawer. I would got bored of that, and I thought I'd look through the sock drawer, see there's anything interesting in there. And I rediscovered uh, the dictaphone that my, I took off my granddad, I took from my granddad's house when he passed away in 2008. And what's amazing about it is that when I pressed play, I thought this tape would be blank. But when I pressed play... You'll never guess whose voice I heard. You're going to say my granddad's, obviously. Um, but no, I heard my nan's voice. Actually, this tape 
is of a, a committee meeting. When I was younger, everybody had committee meetings for everything. If you were a part of a fly fishing group, they had a committee meeting, and there were committees. We used to have them around my house, and everyone brought their leather briefcases, very serious. And, uh, and so they recorded their minutes from their committee meetings. It might be a butcher's committee meeting, I can't remember. And, um, and this is my nan's voice, I think, if it works. Here we go. You can't hear it in mind. I can hear it. I recognise her voice after all these years. But I tell you what, it's brilliant. It's so nice uh, to pick it up. Uh, you can hear a bit of my granddad on there, and it reminded me of all the uh, slightly insulting nicknames he gave me as a child, like Bacon Bonts. Rough chops, don't ask me what they mean now, um, but he thought they were quite amusing at the time. And it just reminded me the power of a voice um, can actually really lift you up, can't it? Hearing their voices perked me up no end. A voice, um, when it's good, can completely transform a person. I remember being about 13 years old, I was a fairly new Christian, a guy called Neil Paul, Andy and Jane know him, know him I think. Um, we went away to a Christian camp uh, called Carity Wood, a uh, place in Kent, and we were having a, a big time of worship. And I was going through a tough time with my parents. They were sort of divorcing. And I remember sitting there feeling quite miserable. And as we sat together, he put his arm around me. I think I've shared this before. And he said to me, do you know, Gary, I've got two daughters. And, uh, and he said to me, and if I ever was to have had a son, I wish he'd been like you. Or I'd have liked him to have been like you. I, I've never gone back to see whether he still thinks that. But that's, you know. Um, but I tell you what, as a 13-year-old boy, that was life-changing. And I still remember it now, nearly 38. Because actually, to know that the, the one figure in my life that I didn't have around at all, my dad, to have somebody put his arm around me and say, if I could have had a son, I would have loved him to have been like you, was just brilliant. How great is that? And I really want to encourage you... Um, our young people in this church, whether they're 18, 17, whether they're five or three, they may present as being all sorted, confident, yeah, yeah, I know what I'm doing. They may present as they don't really want to talk to you sometimes. But our words as adults can have a devastating effect on their life for the good, or they can have a devastating effect for bad. We can make them devastatingly confident by saying, aren't you awesome, or aren't you great, and giving them opportunities and loving them. Or we can destroy them by saying negative critical comments so really think about what we say to each other a a verse a word can bring you down it can produce a memory it can destroy a person's self-image the bible is really clear actually time and time again that what you use your words for your voice you should think very carefully about i think it's colossians where paul writes that we should season our words with salt Salt in the Bible is an image of preserving. The Bible says when you speak, your words should be seasoned with salt. They should preserve people. They should bring life and they should bless people. And if our words, our voices actually don't do that, if we're not seasoning our words with salt and we're destroying people, then we are sinning. And that is well bad, to put it mildly. But it is well bad. There is no other way of putting it. It is so wrong. If we use our words to be critical and to hold a grudge and to bring people down so we can go up, that is wrong. And the Bible cautions us against it. And the Bible in the book of James describes the tongue to mean words and speaking as a world of evil. Think of all the times you've been broken hearted and hurt. I can guarantee you it wasn't because of one of these in the face. It was because of this. And someone's saying something to you. You're an idiot. You're a fool. You're a failure. Those words kill us. 
and they destroy us. And the Bible says, watch what you say if you're going to represent the king of kings. Represent him with your words. Think very carefully about what escapes out of your mouth uh, these next few weeks. In fact, the rest of our lives. Because what goes out, you cannot get back in. Go home if you want an illustration of this. Go home, uh, do it on the carpet, uh, get a tube of toothpaste and squeeze down as hard as you can. Uh, don't do it, that was a joke, sorry. Um, I should have introduced that. Um, but squeeze a load of toothpaste out. And then once you've got it all out, try and get it back in. And if you can get it back in, let me know and I'll give you 50 pounds. Every little molecule. Uh, someone's going to try everything. <laughs> Even the smell. Okay, that's covered it. You can't, can you? And like our word, once they escape out, you can't get back in. For the, I mean, for the way it came out, but I mean cutting the end and putting it in that way, by the way, in case some of you are working out how to do it. And so, actually, our words are really powerful. Uh, a good voice can be beautiful. I want to show you a clip um, of a little baby who's never heard his mother's voice before. And this Here is the go. effect. And he's back on again. See how he turns? Hi, Jonathan. Stop the sucking. Yeah. Hi. Good. Did you real hear good. that? <laughs> Hi, sweetie. Could you hear that? <laughs> Hi. Hi. You got that, Dad, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hi, Jonathan. <gasps> We call that a late Christmas present. (laughs) Hi. Good job, buddy. That's really good. When you hear the right words, it's beautiful. When the right things... Sorry, yeah. They've probably got got some sort of connection going on over here. She's probably thinking, yeah, good one. (laughs) Um, But actually... A good voice in our life um, can be really powerful. I want to read to you. I felt really led this week to Ezekiel chapter 1. It's quite a long chapter. Um, I, think it, I don't know if it's coming up behind me as I read it. Um, it may do. Um, but if you've got it, you want to follow along. But this was described by the lecturer, one of my lecturers at Bible College, as the best introduction to any book he'd ever read in his entire life. And I'll read it to you. It's quite long, 24 verses. But this is a vision. And this guy, Ezekiel, was a prophet of God to the exiles. God's people had, been, had sinned so bad, he'd allowed them to be taken off to Babylon. And, uh, and so God visits his people. And he gives this guy, Ezekiel, a vision of God coming down from heaven on a chariot uh, to visit his people to essentially judge them and tell them off, really. So this is what Ezekiel chapter 1 uh, says. It says this. In the 13th... Um, sorry, 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles in the Kibar River, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. On the fifth of the month, it was in the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiachin, and the, Lord, sorry, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, the priest, son of Buzai, um, by the Kibar River in the land of the Babylonians. There the hand of the Lord was upon me. I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. The center of the fire looked like glowing metal. And in the fire was what appeared to be like four living creatures. In appearance, their form was that of a man. But each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight and their feet were like those of a calf and gleamed like burnished bronze. Under their wings, there were four sides 
sorry, under their wings, on their four sides, they had the hands of a man. All four of them had faces and wings, and their wings touched one another. Each one went straight ahead. They did not turn as they moved. Their faces looked like this. Each of the four had the face of a man. And on the right side, each had the face of a lion. And on the left side, uh, the face of an ox. And each had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. Their wings were spread out upward. Each had two wings, one touching the wing of the other creature on either side. And the two wings covering its body. Each one went straight ahead. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go, without turning as they went. The appearance of the living creatures was like burning coals of fire, or like torches. Fire moved back and forth among the creatures. It was bright, and lightning flashed out of it. The creatures sped back and forth like flashes of lightning. As I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the ground beside each creature with its four faces. This was its appearance and structure of the wheels. They sparkled like chrysolite, and all four looked the same. Each appeared to be like a wheel intersecting a wheel. And as they moved, they would go in any of the four directions the creatures faced. The wheels did not turn about as the creatures went. Their rims were high and awesome. All four rims were full of eyes all around. The living creatures moved, and the wheels beside them moved. And when the living creatures rose from the ground, the wheels rose also. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go, and the wheels would rise along with them, because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When the creatures moved, they also moved, but the creatures, uh, when the creatures stood still, they also stood still. And when the creatures rose from the ground, the wheels rose along with them, because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Spread out above above the heads of the living creatures was what looked like an expanse, sparkling like ice and awesome. Under their, the expense, expanse, sorry, um, their wings were stretched out toward one another, and each had two wings covering its body. When the creatures moved, I heard the sound of, um, the, sound of the wings, and like the roar of rushing waters, like the voice of the Almighty, like the tumult of an army. When they stood still, they lowered their wings. That's verse 24. Can you imagine? Well, I've got a picture um, that should that will appear behind me. This is someone's representation. This is a vision of God coming down from heaven on his holy chariot to talk to his people. Can you imagine being Ezekiel, seeing that and just thinking, oh, wow, that's such an oh, wow moment. You'd think, my goodness, this is incredible. Look at that chariot. Oh, I'm filling in as much as I can. No? Okay, never mind. In a minute, I'll draw you one. It'll look identical to this. But if you let your mind race with this image of these four creatures and this seat on top of it and these wheels that are going wherever they want. And as amazing as this sight was for Ezekiel, what was even more amazing is what happened um, in verse 25 onwards. Because in verse 25, as amazing as that chariot was, that's not the object of this passage. There we are, someone's description of it. This is the amazing part of that chapter. It says, Then there came a voice from above the expanse, over their heads as they stood with lowered wings. So when it stopped right in front of Ezekiel, he heard a voice. Above the expanse, over their heads, was what looked like a throne of sapphire. And high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw from what had appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire. And from there down he looked like fire, and bright light surrounded him, like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day. So was his radiance. 
This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down and I heard the voice of the one speaking. The point is, as amazing as that chapter is, as amazing as that description is, the real amazing part of that chapter is that he gets to see God. But not even that, but that God then talks to Ezekiel, actually speaks to him. What knocks him to the floor is the voice of the living God. Can you imagine what it must have felt like? I once heard of a rabbi who couldn't get past Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Genesis starts with that picture of the chaos of waters and the spirit of God hovering over the deep of the universe before he put his order on it. And in chapter 1 verse 3 of Genesis we read these three very powerful words and God said. And this rabbi apparently every time he got to Genesis chapter 3 chapter 1 verse 3 and he read and God said he just thought whoa God speaks. How incredible is that? You see, from the beginning of the Bible right to the end, we're presented with a God who talks to his creation. He doesn't sit on some throne on the edge, not really caring. He talks to us. He talks to his creation, even when it sins, even when it's wrong. And his voice is life-changing. His voice, when you hear it, is life-giving. And it is life-defining. It creates and it liberates and it saves And I want to make one very simple point this morning. That in a world with so many negative voices in it, voices that often curse us, often bring us down, often lead us to make bad decisions, listening to the voice of God is the best thing you will ever do with your time. The very best thing. Because that same awesome voice that knocked Ezekiel to the floor, who said it was awesome, is the very same voice that every single day is trying to speak to you, trying to speak to me. So before we get on to that a bit more, what does this voice of God do? I want to read to you just a few very short uh, parts of the Bible. Psalm 29 tells us a bit about the voice of the living God. It says in verse 3 of Psalm 29, The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. If you've never seen a cedar of Lebanon, I don't think they're a little bonsai tree. They're huge, apparently. And God just speaks and they go... Because God's voice is that powerful. It shakes the desert. It twists the oaks. Because God is the King of Kings. God is God over all things. And when God speaks, things happen because his voice is powerful it reminds me of genesis chapter one um genesis chapter one is a story of creation and the way we understand creation or the way creation is to be understood should i say is that in the beginning there was nothing in the beginning there was no universe there was no time there was no space there was only god there was god and nothing else and then god in his infinite goodness decided he was going to create a universe how did god create it he didn't go and get some clay from somewhere and shape it in his, with his hands. He didn't go down B&Q and see if they had any worlds he could buy. Um, no, what did God do? He just spoke. Let there be light. There it was. Let there be land. There it was. Let there be people. Let there be animals. Let there be stars. Let there be the sun. And it all came from nothing. There was no time, no energy, no light. 
Yet the voice of God caused it all to be in existence. Creation from nothing. Creation from nothing. Hebrews 4 tells us about this powerful voice of God, not just in creating, but in our own lives. It says the word of God is active and alive, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the hearts. God desires to speak to you this morning with that same voice that called something out of nothing. He desires to speak to you this morning. Will you listen to what he's got to say to you? I heard a great quote Saturday morning at the men's big breakfast. Uh, John Barrett uh, and his brother was talking about Christianity and he was saying, if it's true, which it is, then not getting involved is a waste of your life. And let me say, if God is a God who speaks, not taking the time to listen is a spectacular waste of your faith. Psalm 33 uh, talks about how God made the world. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. The starry host, by the breath of his mouth, he gathers the water into, of the sea into jars. He puts the deep in their storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The voice of God brings life. One of my favorite bits of uh, the book of John in the New Testament is when Jesus is with his disciples in chapter 6. He's been with them for a while and he's got all these extra kind of hangers on us. And they're all listening to what he's got to say. He's becoming more and more popular and more and more well-known. And, uh, and he says something that's really controversial if you're a Jewish listener. And he says it, and he doesn't just say it once, he says it about three or four times. And every time they get a bit offended, he says it again, because he's challenging their faith. And in one swift conversation, Jesus loses most of his followers, or a significant amount. And he turns to his disciples, he's 12, and he asks them a very simple question. Are you going to go as well? Are you off as well? And Peter turns around in verse 68 and says, Lord, to who shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You see, being a disciple um, in the first century was tough going. It was not easy to be a Christian. Uh, People think that Christianity is easy, boring religion. Sometimes they're right. Um, But that's not because of Jesus. That's because of us, let me tell you. It is the most dangerous thing you will do with your time. And the most exciting, and the most rewarding, and the most amazing Following Jesus was not easy for his 12 disciples. They gave everything up. And it would have been easy for them at that point to have followed the crowd and gone, you know what, it's just too hard. You're standing out too much. I'm going to go back to fishing. I'm going to go back to my old life and leave it. But yet they'd heard the voice of God. They'd seen miracles. They'd known an intimacy with him that was just life-defining. And so they just thought, you know what, how hard it is, I'm not going anywhere. Because this is where it's at. And you know, it's no easier to be a Christian in the 21st century. Maybe you're a bit younger this morning and been a Christian at uni or school or uh, college. Or maybe you've just been a Christian at home. Um, if you're a bit older, maybe at work. Or maybe even at the Hades Centre it's hard to be a Christian. I don't know, I'm not allowed to go for another few years. Um, and it's hard to be a Christian, isn't it? It's hard to be a Christian when you're the only one. People say, do this, stop being so boring. Don't be a weirdo. Do what we're doing. But I tell you what, let me tell you. If you know the intimacy and the closeness of a relationship with the living God, 
he will soon decide, you know what, I want to be here with him. I'm not going with you guys. You go and make your mistakes. I'm staying with the king of kings. I did that when I was a teenager. Didn't always go down well with my friends, but I'm so pleased that I stuck with my saviour when I did. Once you experience that true intimacy with the living God, once you know and hear and recognise his voice, you wouldn't want to go anywhere else. Also, this passage that I've just read uh, reminds us that there are so many voices in our lives. Um, Words of death, words of temptation, words of guilt. But when you hear the voice of Jesus, when you listen to the voice of God, it's like having a drink after a long walk. Um, Dave Tucker told me a story recently uh, about when they went for a walk. Uh, Tucker's in Australia. I hope they don't mind whether they're not here, are they? I can tell you what I like, actually. Um, I could really insult them, actually. Can you press pause? No. Um, and they, were, uh, they went for this massive long walk. And apparently there's a, there's a lake in Australia that is one of the few that you can actually drink from as you swim in there. And, uh, and he was saying they walked for hours and they were so thirsty. And eventually it got down to this lake and they went for a swim. And he said, we just sort of swam and drunk at the same time, which was weird. Um, but it worked. And he said, it's brilliant. Wouldn't it be nice to swim your way through life drinking the goodness of God as you go? Rather than waiting until you're so parched that you can't stand up. Know the voice of God then in your life. Know it every single day. Psalm 50 verse 1 uh, says this. The mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to where it sets. His voice is powerful and it creates, but it also sustains and keeps things where they should be. And he does that for us as well. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. After being tempted uh, to turn stones to bread to prove he's the son of God by the devil, Jesus says to the devil, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. If you want to be sustained in your daily life, it is the word of God that will do it. It is the words of God that will sustain you during the dry times and the hard times and the good times and the temptations. And God's voice is one that reaches not just the religious and the churchy, but it reaches the very depths of a person's life. John chapter 5, verse 24-25, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Does he literally mean those already dead? I don't think so. He means those who are spiritually dead. And this morning, you may be sitting here thinking, I am spiritually dead. I'm at the bottom of the pit. I am a lost cause. My friends have left me. My family are done with me. I've got no prospects whatsoever. Well, let me tell you, there is one voice that still speaks to you. One voice that still calls you out of darkness into light. The voice of the living God. You can only do so much climbing on your own before you need to hang on to the word of God and be poured out. Maybe you feel dead this morning God is still speaking to you and he will do to the day you die so let me ask all of us a question this morning what voices do you allow into your life who gets to tell you who you are who do you give permission to to dictate your priorities and your values and your sense of self-worth how many toxic friendships have you got How many voices from the past do you still plug into and hear them say you're rubbish? What about that thing you did in 1982? 
What about that thing you did last week? Shame on you. How many voices do you give permission to be a cloud over your life? Who determines your value this morning? What voices have you allowed to crowd out the voice of the living God? Because although he always speaks, we can crowd him out. So how can I hear God's voice this morning? Just really quickly. You need a soft heart. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 15 says, Just as it has been said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Looking back to the Exodus and the Old Testament, don't harden your hearts. I heard a story of Duncan Bannatyne, the, uh, the rich man who was on Dragon's Den. I assume you know who I'm talking about. Some of you do, maybe. Anyway, he's, uh, he's rich. He owns a few gyms, apparently. I wouldn't know. I don't go anywhere near gyms anymore. Um, a terrible black hole for my money. Um, and so he owns all these gyms. He's got a lot of money. And he wrote an article I read ages ago about how he met God. And he says that he was somewhere and God spoke to him and called him to follow him. And it was a real clear Virtually, it wasn't quite face-to-face, but it was a real experience. And he says it was real. It was unmistakably God. And God said, follow me. And you think, wow, what did you do, Duncan? Nothing. Because he loved his money too much and his businesses and his reputation. And he turned his back on God. And he's never gone back. That man had a heart attack a couple of years ago. That is well close to the end of your life, when it's too late to make a decision for Jesus Christ. Why? not listen don't harden your heart sometimes god speaks to us and i'm assuming i'm going to assume that you all know what i'm about to say in your own lives often god will speak to me with a little uh, urge in my heart if i'm sitting watching the telly which of course i never do i'm always studying or reflecting on something for the church um but if i've got a telly on uh, it normally happens when uh, andrew's not in and uh, and i might just have i have my bible in my office or somewhere and i can feel god saying to me you've got two hours here why don't you read the Bible for 10 minutes? Why don't you pray? Get your guitar and have a sing song. Yes, if you heard me in my office, I'm sorry as you walk past. Um, it's not good. And you know that voice. You know that voice in your own life. In the morning when you lay in bed and you think, I don't want to go to church. And God says, get up. Get up, you'll be pleased you went. That's God talking to you. But you can have a hard heart and say, do you know what? I'm not interested. I want to go back to sleep. I want to watch another episode of something on Netflix because I'm chilling, Lord. Netflix and chill, that's how it works. But God talks to you and he puts that urge in your heart, a little whisper of the Holy Spirit. Why don't you just do it? And why don't you listen? Because you'll begin to recognize God's voice. Don't harden your heart. The second thing you should do is meditate on God's word. This is the last couple of verses here in Psalm 119. Uh, The psalmist writes, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me. And make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path, so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey from my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. And he just knows the right way through life, the writer of that psalm, because he meditates on the word of God. When you open your Bible, how do you read it? Do you read it like this? And it sits there, and it sits months, and it says, right, done, great. Check my emails at last. I've been burning a hole in the back of my head to check my emails for the last 10 minutes. Or do you read it like this? 
and take a long time. I had a quote, I read a quote, in fact, uh, during the Bible course on Wednesday. This is George Whitfield, written in, 70, he was alive 1714 to 1770. He said, I began to read the Holy Scriptures upon my knees, laying aside every other book and praying over, if possible, every line and word. This proved to be meat indeed and drink to my soul. I daily receive fresh life, light and power from above. There's two ways to read the word of God, cheaply or richly. What I do now is when I have a passage that I'm reading, I read it and every time a word or a phrase hits me, I just do that. I just say, Lord, help me to resist temptation today. Or, or Father God, it's so great that you, that you love us with all your heart or you're with us till the end. Father, be with me till the very end of today. Be with me, Lord, as I do that or I see that person. And I pray as I read. And I tell you what, it's the best part of my day. And I believe that God is with me in a most powerful way. So if you don't know how to read the Bible, don't worry. Read it and pray it and turn it into a prayer as you go along. Meditate on God's word. You need to apply it as well. And finally, if you want to hear the voice of God, you need to know Jesus. Jesus in John chapter 1 is described as the word of God. God's word made flesh. And that chapter we had read by Kezia, Hebrews chapter 1, says that in these days God has spoken to us through his son. If you want to know the voice of God, you need to know the Son of God. And you need to talk to him as often as you can. So we're going to finish there. But let me ask you, just to think for a moment, before we're going to sing one song, and then I want to do something just as we finish. So perhaps we could just sing one song, Pat, now. But just as they're coming up, just think, what guides you through your life? Do you spend quality time with a living God? Is this the only time God gets in your schedule? This hour on a Sunday morning. And are you thinking about something else when you're here anyway? Are you seeking his voice in your life? Are you getting into his word daily and allowing the Holy Spirit to apply it and use it every single day? I'm just going to sing one song just to really kind of calm us, our hearts and focus us on God. And then I want to just do one, one thing as we finish. We're going to meditate on God's word together as we finish. So we just sing one song.